five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about stories today, and to begin with, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the John Lewis commercial for this year. There's a 30 second, a minute, and a minute and a half version. I'm going to just trim off some of the beginning here because I know that it kind of repeats the first 20 seconds. But let's get going here with it. All the small guys. Got it going. Here's why. This is what it's all about. Hey, Ellie. Hi. Oh, yeah. I'd skate a bit too. <laughs> you want to come in? Oh, it's cool. 108,000 children in the UK. Oh, gosh. They're in the foster care system. Okay, that's a tearjerker. Woo! So, what's the backstory? As always, we'll give you something on that. You won't see that commercial in the U.S. probably, except here. It's got it's got 2.25, two and a quarter million views. Okay. Oh man, I'm a mess here. I'm a mess. Okay. So, last year they had a space alien visit, and I didn't think much of that. And it was a high production value thing which I didn't think much of that either but this year they're focusing on the experiences of children living in foster care okay so the middle-aged man has taken up skateboarding because they told him that Ellie who they were going to be the foster parents of likes to skateboard okay and so uh it puts purpose at the heart. You know, and it also shows them putting up the Christmas tree and getting ready, getting the dinner ready and all that. What I really like about this, what I really like about this is that uh, John Lewis has been working on a Happier Futures program specifically designed to help foster kids um, and they're providing apprenticeships and employment opportunities specifically for those kids, which is like the best thing I can think of practically. I have a friend who was born uh, with fetal alcohol system, uh, syndrome and another friend, one of my best friends, uh, adopted this little baby and uh and you know he's not he's not a rocket scientist by any stretch but he's one of the one of the happiest kids you'll ever well, now he's 25 or 27 or something but for the last 10 years or so he's been working at the local pick and save and everybody loves him there and you know he stocks the shelves and stuff you know he, 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 he you know it's it's valuable 
and so you know a grocery store can really can really help help get kids started on a path to self-worth and and uh, giving them a job is a really important thing so what I like about this is that unlike the climate change and the some of the Black Lives Matter stuff, this is something, you know, so much of that doesn't really change the world. <laughs> they raise a lot of money. Where does it go? You know, I mentioned a couple of years back, big thing was in 2020. I think it was Shaquille O'Neal. He was actually helping in a neighborhood that he grew up in. And uh, that's tangible. This John Lewis is tangible. If you want purpose, you want to talk about purpose, let's talk about purpose around where you are what 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 are you doing around where you are and you know I'm I'm as guilty of that as anybody that that I don't do all I could for my my neighborhood or my community but um, that's you know think globally sure that's fine but act locally and that's what I really like about about uh, the John Lewis ad uh, John Lewis has never before tested its full festive ads with customers because it'd be a nightmare to keep it confidential. You know, when I saw a bunch of, when I searched for this, I saw a bunch of uh, John Lewis leaked videos that got a lot of views and were not anything like John Lewis or nothing to do with John Lewis. They were just clickbait to get you to watch it. So it is a tradition in the UK um to see what the John Lewis ad's going to look like it gets a lot of views and i'm really impressed with what they're doing and uh the it was less expensive to do um imran hussein said the thing that really gets us excited is the seriousness with which john lewis are working with us on this um it's not a one-year thing. It's a multi-year-long commitment, long-term commitment. Really good and really a, a, an issue that a lot of people could, you know, could help with. And uh, they 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 also mention here uh, their um, sorry, their I'm trying to get her title right. Uh, Customer director, John Lewis and Partners customer director, Claire Pin, uh, Poynton, said um, that there are no special effects and we worked with our charity partners and also social workers on making sure the scenes reflected were reflected in the right way because we're not experts in this. I think that's also shows a little humility. It's really good. Now I've got another, I've got a follow-up from Melanie May. Uh, she sent me the link for part two of her successful direct mail campaigns. <clears throat> and um, and so that was really wa wonderful of her to do that. So I'm going to just follow up right away. And this is a mailing. It says, lockdown didn't stop us caring and we can't stop now. A uh, piece of direct mail has the potential to be read and read again, to be kept and interacted with, shared, and it raised vital income. But what does success look like? Okay. And so this is um, Susan Ryder, which is the name of a company, I think, and Parkinson's UK. And uh, so, and so Melanie is going to uh, 
show the mailing piece. This one showed the mailing pieces even in more detail. It's no stopping at Christmas. Good point. Okay. And um, then they have information about the uh, about the importance of even just janitorial staff over the over the holidays. And uh, and here we go. Stories from the front line. And this is focused on a nurse that's been there 17 years. And uh, so James Wright is head of public fundraising. He said that uh, he decided they decided to put our colleagues in the limelight for this appeal rather than our beneficiaries. And both are, are helpful. You know, I did a I did a fundraising letter for the for the American Heart Association was the Wisconsin chapter of the American Heart Association. And they'd been talking about the money they'd raised and the and the programs that they were involved with in the previous year and um i asked him yeah but are there any people that actually benefited from this you know tell me about the people and they told me a few stories and so we put the stories in in uh, my my fundraising letter and it doubled the uh it doubled the uh response or the funds raised now is that an ab split no but Sometimes if you get somebody that has, has some experience in writing copy, you might be able to double your response rate. Um, it was a new approach for us, but felt right for the moment and allowed us to show how proud we were of our colleagues. We hope this would resonate with our supporters. The, the direct marketing mailing was complemented by partially addressed mail. I don't know what partially addressed mail is. I think that's like uh, every door direct in the U.S. In other words, it's like roll route member or whatever. Um, paid and organic social advertising, email, posters, and press advertising, public relations, as well as a drive through our PR and philanthropy teams. Uh, we were able to get grab the attention of existing and new supporters uh, through nitty-gritty, hard-hitting imagery of our incredible staff delivering care no matter what with copy describing their resilience and dedication during the coronavirus pandemic. Okay. Can Corona, uh, the, the uh, DM pack included a letter from Heidi Travis, the chief executive. And she said that as Corona cases were rising through autumn months, the only thing that would stop them from providing care was lack of funding. <clears throat> Stories from the front line featured three case studies Anita and her husband, John, who spent the final days supported by Sue Ryder, uh, Rachel, a Sue Ryder nurse of 17 years, um, and Marianne, a housekeeping supervisor, who showed how vital the support staff were to delivering the delivering of care across the organization. We also enclosed a small poster for the window so people could show their support. <clears throat> Our aim was to raise a million pounds based on analysis of previous appeals. Um, we also viewed this as an opportunity to increase our supporter base. So look for a solid opt-in to future marketing as well as a response to a hand raiser as a non-financial ask. Always a good idea. Super good. This is super good content right here. Um, don't just ask for money. You know, ask for prayer. Ask if you can <laughs> opt in over there with the GDPR. I'm pleased that the total reached 1 million 
and seven pounds. It's a 007 right there. Just about, and I don't know why it says just about hitting that bull target, because they hit it. Million pounds, that was the target. 75% opt-in and over 26,000 signatures. Now, I don't know what the opt-in exactly means, but a lot of times it means, can we talk to you again? Uh, even though that's not generally a requirement in the in the UK, GDPR, they thought it was going to be a requirement. But if you've been mailing your supporters for decades, you have a compelling interest in keeping in touch. And that's the way your supporters are used to seeing it. So you are usually exempted from that repeated opt-in. But hey, it's still nice to ask. It's still nice to know. Okay, and then the second one is from the Parkinson's Association in the UK or something like that. Will you help develop a drug that could reduce inflammation? Apparently, inflammation exacerbates, there's a good word to try saying live, uh, the Parkinson's symptoms. And five incredible years of, Parkin of, of Parkinson's virtual biotech. Okay, I don't know if the word virtual is so powerful there. It almost sounds like, well, it's, it works in the in the meta, but it doesn't work in the real world. Um, but uh, Sally Dalton Bolt Dalton says that this was this was sent out um, along a direct mail pack along with an email campaign. Um, we aim to raise 114,000 pounds uh, with an ROI of 3.0, or that maybe that would give us an ROI. They sent it to 30,000 warm supporters, many of which a lot of this audience have Parkinson's. So it's imperative to ensure that we're asking them to fund what would be real tangible benefit to them. So I hope they told stories, <clears throat> right? Um, let's see if they told stories. What made it successful is how it tied it in with a wider charity message across the website, social media. So it's a sort of omni-channel campaign that they thought created a halo effect. Okay, so um, as well as a, the personal copy we were able to include. Now, I'm not sure what the personal copy. I read this twice, um, and I wasn't sure. Um, oh, it included a variable paragraph to supporters who had funded the launch of the virtual biotech in 2017 <clears throat> this personal touch provide a chance to thank supporters and communicate the previous impact their kind gifts had made always good to thank your supporters right although i would like to see more of the story as we saw in the previous campaign uh, anyway they raised 112,000 which is 95% or 98% of their goal. Um, and uh, so they considered it a big success. So there's some examples of how the mail is being used in the UK. Now to wrap up, uh, I just ran across this little story from the, from the Craig Huey blog. And he emphasizes that you can boost profits by telling stories. And I'm going to call Craig out a little bit. He doesn't usually react to my to my rants on here. But Craig, I think you kind of missed it on this one. Uh, most of the people, most of the time, buy most of their stuff on emotion and impulse. And, you know, I got that got me thinking. I'm not sure that's true. 
you know, I need some pajamas because I've got a bunch of frayed pajamas and I go on eBay and buy some pajamas. Maybe I go on eBay because it isn't emotional. It's just items. I think I think people go on Amazon for that reason. It's just a collection of items. No, not much hype. And if the item you're looking at has too much hype, you can go and look and find similar items from somebody less hyping. Um, and, you know, I go to the grocery store and I need some butter and I need some you know, salt and flour to make my bread. And, you know, it's not a hype, it's a list. So I would say most of the time people buy what they're in the, in the habit of buying or what they think they should buy. But there's a lot of items that are impulse. There's a lot of items that people do buy because of how they feel. And so I'm not really disagreeing with Craig. I'm just saying I think it's a little overstated in the beginning, a little hype here. And uh, so listing your product features will not make an emotional connection. You must create stories for your customers. I think that John Lewis uh, example is a great one. And the uh, and the the what's this one called? I'm trying to remember the name of this of this. <laughs> it's upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Sue Ryder, which is apparently a nursing palliative, neurological, and bereavement support. So it's like hospice stuff, especially hospice stuff. Okay. So anyway, um, so they went and told stories about their staff, stories about the emotion of of the husband John passing. Um, Prospect Meeks products. It's not hero slays dragon stories. But the stories must show how your product solves your customers' problems, which it sounds like they did in the palliative care. Um, the classic line of the guy buying a drill fit here. He doesn't want a drill. He wants what he wants as a whole. Um, but there's no story. <laughs> you must have been in a hurry, Craig. So somebody called Craig and say, how could you write a, how could you <laughs> write a blog post about the need for stories and not include one example? Which there isn't. That's all there is. I couldn't believe when I got to the end of it. I, but anyway, he's right. But luckily for you, you're on this show, and we gave you stories to make the point. So have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.